0: Fight. Chris White, number 60. I played center and guard. 2004 was my red shirt sophomore year. What I remember, I remember it was, I want to say it was fourth down. It was, I think it was fourth down. Um, Seville was sacked, and I was going to help him up. And I remember that one of the defensive guys, uh, Bobby Williamson, he, um, No, first he reached out, he was gonna pick on, then he pulled his hand back. Then he kind of mushed the bell. And so that's when I pushed him. So that's what really got everything started. When I pushed him, then he came back at me. And somehow in the scuffle I failed. So the crazy part and the new the part that the newspaper got was was me getting pushed back. I was on my knees and I was getting pushed back. But I got some pitches you know, to, to, to dispute that. Got my man first. So after that, I just remember, you know, everybody in that huddle, everybody started swinging. And I remember Jabari had came over with a right hook he was hitting. Uh, Big Johnny Austin was out there. But then, you know, the whole pile fell on top of me. And so that's when I seen Teezy, Matt Thomas. I mean, he spread it down the field. And I looked, and then that's when it was like both sides were coming, and that's when they was getting it on.
1: That's Chris White, a former South Carolina football player, talking about the brawl between the Gamecocks and their arch rival, the Clemson Tigers, that happened 15 years ago this season. In 2018, college football writer Spencer Hall christened it the brawl to end it all, in putting it at the top of his list of football fights of the modern era.
2: And now we've got some extracurricular activity out there. This was bound to happen. And now Lou Holtz scrambles out on the field, and now both benches start to empty you knew this was going to happen sooner or later uh-oh justin miller and matthew thomas are getting into it and this is this is an ugly who's the idiot that took his helmet off i mean this is ridiculous and i applaud the way the ref allowed it to not fast foster but right now you got to get police control in this. you've got a clench here yeah. you got to get police control yep and uh, now State police are out there on the field. Now there's more going on in the end zone, and now the state police have cordoned off the end zone trying to. Well, they need mates. You got to get now, you got to get the sauce in. But the 32 South Carolina has just gone after Dwayne Coleman after the cordon police out there. That's Dacus Terman, who's done nothing today. Yeah. Sitting out with an injury. He comes out and lays a hay shaker on. And now they. This is embarrassing, but this I tell is you very what, embarrassing. police have got to treat them like idiots now, like the rioters, and billy clubs, take them all out and pursue them, because there's no question in my mind, this is uncalled for. Some of those guys over there didn't play, they have not bust the great. Dacus Terman is one of them, he ran after you, he ran after Dwayne Coleman on a dead truck, took off after him, and hit him in the end zone. Well, he's a he had not played a lick. If they not having the helmet on anyway. Yeah. I saw that he felt this. He
1: felt this Walker would go on to say, the way those kids acted, they should have sent dogs after them. So yeah, it got wild out there. Charles Silas, the idiot who took his helmet off, took his helmet off before the fight started and wasn't even on the field when it started. He was on the bench being evaluated for a concussion when the shoving started.
3: Played before, I was uh, playing, and I, no, I was rushing the quarterback, and I got hit, and I came out, and uh, I lay I was laying on the bench um because they was checking my neck out because I was saying something but I may have a concussion and then all of our here say they fighting, they're fighting and um I was like, who's, who's, you know, what's going on? So my first instinct is that if the team fighting, I gotta get out there and help my brother. So I jumped off of the bench, ran to the field and I just I mean, try to find anybody in an orange jersey and try to find anybody they know anybody in a white jersey to make sure I was helping my teammates. Because I didn't want to be that guy to say that I stood by and let one of my teammates or let one of my brothers get hurt. I wasn't going to be that guy. I was going to be there to help my brothers regardless of whatever it cost me. Because I wanted to make sure that that's my family.
1: It got ugly quick from there. And we're going to get to that. We will let the players who were in the middle of the fight take you through the whole thing. There's more to the story than that. We're going to tell you that, too. We're going to tell you about Hall of Fame head coach Lou Holtz, who hasn't coached a football game since that day. Red
0: Scott deserves a trophy this damn big for winning one game with your sorry asses.
1: We're going to talk about the malice in the palace, the NBA brawl that broke out the night before the Carolina Clemson fight between the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers and spilled into the stands. Our jumped
2: over the scorers' table and is trying to get down to the bench. Our test is in the stands. Oh, this is awful. Fans getting-
1: Together, the two incidents set off a wave of worry that athletes were getting out of control. We've talked to Sergeant Yusuf Kelly, who is now a school resource police officer. Kelly is most remembered for a photograph showing him attempting to kick a defenseless player in the head.
4: It was like two years ago. There was a person that actually thought that picture
1: was from the year before. And we're going to tell you what happened in the 10 seconds before that picture was snapped and in the 15 years since it was taken. We're going to talk about why hockey fights and baseball brawls are celebrated, but this fight was so sharply criticized and what the difference might be. And we're going to talk about the better fallout from the fight. At this point, we should say who we are. We're Langston Moore, Preston Thorne, and Josh Kendall. Langston and Preston both played on the defensive line for South Carolina. And Preston was a senior captain on that 2014. Langston was in his second year with the NFL's Cincinnati Bengals by then. And together, they now own athletes and artists. Josh has covered the South Carolina football program for a decade and now works for The Athletic and will narrate most of this podcast. Preston and Langston have talked to more than 30 players who were on the field that day and plenty of other people who saw it and were affected by it. We're going to get to all the nitty-gritty details about the fight itself, but first, we're going to talk about how the Gamecocks and Tigers got to that day. We need to let you know that there is some adult language throughout this and subsequent episodes of this podcast. This is The Fight. College football is what unites the state of South Carolina. The Gamecocks-Tigers rivalry is what divides it. It is the 13th oldest rivalry in major college football. The two teams have played 116 times, with Clemson winning 70 of those games, South Carolina winning 42 and two ties. There's no professional team in the state of South Carolina and no other major university. The Gamecocks and Tigers mean everything in the state, something wide receiver Matthew Thomas learned quickly when he joined the Gamecocks out of the state of Georgia.
3: So with me being from Georgia, I shouldn't have had no kind of connection or ties with that rivalry, but how intense it was for the state of South Carolina, man, you couldn't do nothing but jump on board because the guys that's from Carolina really feel that.
1: Dondrell Pinkins is now the head coach and athletic director at Pelham High School in Georgia. In 2004, he was a quarterback at South Carolina.
4: Clemson fans or who they are Carolina fans or who they are uh, I think coming out of the boom you have to make that decision whether you're going to be a Gamecock or whether you're going to be a Tiger it's instilled in people early and uh, just going into that atmosphere people want to know which side are you on and if you're for Clemson then stay with Clemson if you're for Carolina stay on that side of the line once you cross that line it's on
1: here's Charles Silas again
3: it's the biggest rivalry and in the, in the, one of the biggest rivals in the country Everybody the state is divided by two of the top, some of the top talent, and it came to a point where this side hated one side and when that game was. Year-round, actually, if you said something about Carolina to a Clemson player, they would, they would say, fuck Carolina, or you say something about Carolina to a Clemson player, they would say, fuck um, the game. And it was it was ridiculous. And right. when, I, when I got there, I really saw that you yeah, had you don't get along with nobody from Clemson. You don't talk to nobody from Clemson. And then when you play, it's actually like a bar fight almost. That
1: yeah, ridiculous. You're about to hear from Gamecock Larry, a regular caller to Sports Talk Radio in Columbia and a diehard Carolina fan. Larry, 84, is explaining here the origin of the chicken curse, which South Carolina fans have used for years to explain away their sporting troubles and how it's all Clemson's fault in the first place.
5: What I can remember from where the chicken curse came from, there was two gentlemen, one from uh, Charleston and one from Greenville. I got to talk slow so I get it right. And one from Greenville. They wanted to establish a university in Spartanburg. Well, naturally, Clemson, they went along with it like they usually do, anything, you know, well, I ain't gonna talk about Clemson. It is, uh, one from uh, Charleston went along with it, but the university didn't want to have it. They wouldn't agree to build one in Spartanburg to establish one in Spartanburg because of the Gamecocks. You know, Gamecocks not wanting it. Clemson wanted it, and both of men, fought hard to and spent a lot of money, but they never did it. Finally, Gamecocks won out. Gamecocks, they established a university in Spartanburg. And they got together, them two gentlemen, and they went and got a bag of chicken bones. And they tied these chicken bones up. And one night, they sneaked onto the horseshoe on the university campus. Well, they dug this hole and buried those chicken bones in that hole. And this old guy from Greenville took his pitchfork and stuck it down in the ground. And the other guy with his shovel, he took it and laid it down on the ground. And they got up, grasped hands, and said, From here on out, anything with the Dencock name. Oh, the Gamecocks well, will be cursed.
1: We can't speak to the chicken curse, but we can attest to the power of this rivalry. Taki Muhammad, a wide receiver for the Gamecocks in 2004, still feels it to this day.
6: I mean, it's a joke, but my kids, you ask my kids, who's the devil? They say
1: Clemson, <laughs> and that'll work. <laughs> this is a rivalry that saw, in 1961, members of South Carolina's Sigma Nu fraternity put on barred high school uniforms and sneak onto the field pretending to be hapless Clemson players warming up for the game where the Gamecocks still hold a Tiger-Burn pep rally every week leading up to the game, where most Clemson fans still cheer every time the Gamecocks lose. It can get very serious, too. Trey Pennington, a former South Carolina tight end, knows that well. He still vividly remembers an ugly incident in 2000 when his mother was hurt as Clemson fans made their way to the field after the game. Some Clemson fan um, had, in his girlfriend
3: or wife, had kind of you know run down the jump on the field. My mom, who was mid 60s um, at that point point. Well, and the sweetest lady on planet earth happened to be standing in their way where, where he was trying to cut through go through the bleachers to get on the field and he, well he's just knocking people over and I guess my mom he had like knocked her over and she's just trying to get up and he just kind of starts like you know yelling at her but you can't hear a word you can't hear somebody next to you You're right? and the guy just jumps up and 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 punches a a 60 year old lady in the head to get his make a her out of the way to get a room for his girlfriend to jump down on the field with him and he goes celebrate and the guy probably never even you know played football in his life Uh, but he's beating up old ladies to go celebrate his team's win
1: in 2004 the year of our story the gamecocks team bus was met by clemson fans before the game one of those fans spit on a south carolina player gamecocks defensive lineman mo thompson said and that wasn't the worst of it.
3: We pulled up right in the middle of the mist. Uh, they fans of choking live chickens in cages. They strangling live chickens. They gotta get the law.
1: <laughs> well, we
6: got off the bus. It pretty much everything had amplified then. Cause one of the Clemson fans, there's an older, you know, older white guy had a little orange jumpsuit on, like no teeth, big beard, that talking shit, and it, it was going ham right then. I remember. If I could, I can I recall, I wanted to slap him.
4: What did he say that he no, going to slap this gentleman?
6: What did he What was he saying? Man, you know what I'm saying. That's about the last year. Are we gonna whoop y'all ass again, like we just did at your home state.
1: The teams played their first football game in 1896, resulting in a 12-6 South Carolina victory. For years, the two schools played in Columbia on a Thursday night late in the season, dubbed Big Thursday, which was in conjunction with the State Fair. In fact, the two teams didn't meet in Clemson until 1960. Here's Chris White again.
0: Clemson game always felt like a rivalry to me because you know, if you Clemson, you hate Carolina. If you Carolina, you hate Clemson. Like around mm-hmm. right here, I hate when people say, "Well, I root for Clemson." Any time, I, I hate that you either you either for Clemson or you for Carolina. There's it, no in between. So it's always been like a rivalry to me. You signed that letter of commitment. I already you know, know. I had to hate Clemson. And, and, why, and, and, and my coworker, he going his office, is nothing but Clemson stuff. So he been let me. It for the last four, five years, you know what I'm saying, so it's been real
1: rough. Kelly said Clemson players heard about the rivalry year-round, too. It's typically
4: extra emphasis on that because, you know, we would go around the room and and let players from the state tell other players how important this game was because, you know, back then, uh, I think on both sides of this, everybody had the mindset, I don't care if we go 0-10, but we better win that 11th game. We better go 1-10. You know, if, yep. we, if we're if going to win one game, it better be that one. And that was the type of mentality that we had back then. And um, So, yeah, we, we definitely had to put more emphasis on it because you know as well as I do, man, you lost that game, man. That was a long year.
1: It's been a few long years for South Carolina in this rivalry. Clemson, the defending national champion, has won five straight, a streak that came on the heels of the Gamecocks' own five-game winning streak. The Tigers will be trying to make it six in a row when they visit Williams-Brice Stadium on November the 30th. Every player on the field will be giving their absolute best that day, said Phil Petty, who played quarterback for South Carolina from 1998 to 2001. The Tigers always looked better in person than they had looked on film in the four years he played against them, he said. When he says it, you'll understand he means the fight.
3: That that rivalry, in my opinion, is as good as anybody in America um, you know, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, you, you name it, it's it's as good or better than anybody. And I just felt like it, it it put a shadow over both programs at that point
1: in time. Former South Carolina player Corey Peoples is still mad he never went to a bowl game because of the brawl.
4: I don't think people understand how intense that rivalry is. At one point I remember we was up uh, five four on that rivalry just a few years ago. Now they got turned the last four years. But uh uh if you go back a few years we won five in a row. It's a real intense uh, atmosphere, and I just remember everything being real intense uh, before that game, even pre-game. You remember, we came out, we went to the hill, so it started early. Oh,
6: hell, Uh, go, go, hell. Hey, just go down there. Why don't you just go meet them at the hill?
1: That's right. When the Gamecocks took the field for that 2004 game, several charged straight to the bottom of the hill where the Tigers make their famous entrance into Memorial Stadium. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. This is one story, but it involves the stories of a lot of people, and that will be important to remember as we go through this series. Everyone saw everything from a different perspective, their own. Fans might see the rivalry only one way. It's us against them all the time. For the players, it's more nuanced. For some, as we've heard, the Carolina-Clemson rivalry was a war. For some, it's just a game, a game against several guys they consider friends. Ty Hill, a Clemson cornerback, was covering South Carolina wide receiver Troy Williamson when the fight broke out. Hill and Williamson had known each other since high school.
6: I knew all those guys just like they knew me. You know what I mean. So it was never like we never had no no bad blood, and if we had never looked at the robbery as you know. You was we we never let that robbery as bad blood for, between us. And we, you know, on the field it was you know it was, it was the game. But I, off the field, you know, you know we all we all used to hang out together. You know, been always been mutual respect, always been fun. And even even during the brawl, you know, I wasn't even I was actually uh on a route with uh with Troy. I know Troy. From my sophomore, junior in high school, running against him when well, he was a freshman in high school, so I knew this man well before we got college, college scholarships and all of that. So a rivalry between what school you go to, what school I go to, definitely ain't gonna change that. So I just remember, like, oh, when we were going to, we was on the, uh, the route. I remember the state trooper came, ran between me and Troy fast. Okay. You know? You know, what I mean, like he came. I was like, "Man, you good? We good over here, man." I just remember looking. I remember looking back. I'm like, "Damn, what the hell is going on down there?" You know what I mean? You know, because it was an all-out brawl. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was pretty much a spectator for most of the brawl. Like, I wasn't involved with that. I, I I, I was looking at some pictures not too long ago. You can see me walking down. You know, walking back, looking at the bra, you know what I'm saying?
1: The Carolina-Clemson game is traditionally the last of the regular season for each team, so with no game to prepare for the following week, it wasn't unusual for South Carolina players to stay in Clemson after the game to spend time with their friends who played for the Tigers. Kelly had plans to spend time with USC players that night. Some of
4: us already had made plans with the South Carolina players to go out that night. Like That's all we were thinking about, like, okay, let's go. Let's go hang out, you know, with the family for a little bit, have a cookout and stuff, and then, you know, shoot, we going to party that night.
1: The cookouts would have to wait in 2004, though. In the aftermath of the brawl, Preston became one of the team's unofficial spokesmen and was quoted in multiple media reports. This is Preston reading one of those reports, an article that appeared in the state newspaper on November twenty third, two 2004.
7: The double shot of news Monday that he was retiring and that South Carolina wouldn't play a bowl game brought an end to Lou Holtz's 33-year coaching career. USC defensive lineman Preston Thorne, that's me, believes that an important group is left out of that news analysis. This isn't about Coach Holtz, Thorne said. Coach Holtz is going to be fine. He's going to be okay. But a lot of the players, this was their last game. They've been playing football all their lives. So where do they go from here? I think that's a little more important than Coach
1: Holtz. We're going to tell those players' stories, but not until we tell you at least a little something about Holtz, one of the sport's most iconic, and as players might say misunderstood, figures. That's coming up in Episode 2 of The Fight.
7: This episode of The Fight was produced, created, and executed by athletes in Argus. Major shout-out to Josh Kenler for the writing. Major shout-out to T.K. Fowler for sound design. And big shout-outs to Aaron Myers, our chief strategist. Looking forward to seeing you next episode.